of me in the traffic cone got leaked, my talk show was canceled. But I'm fighting my way back with a new digital series from my own backyard. So don't forget to subscribe to Bossy Rossi After Dark. Now, my first guest claims that she's in love with her imaginary boyfriend. And guess this? She's pregnant with this baby. Cuckoo! Please welcome Molly and her imaginary boyfriend, Jared. I love that the challenge this week opened up with something of a send-up to... Strangers with Candy theme song. Yeah, this was this was Ross's Jerry Blank. Um, you know, back to society. I'm, I, I'm starting from the bottom and I'm working my way back up. That's right. And I stole the TV. Did some more time. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm back on a digital web show. And though the production values may have changed, the guests are still the same. Yes. Do, 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 do. Mm. I, but, so I think we should just say it. First of all, I, since season 10, I've wanted the Bossy Rossi show to come back. I think Ross is so good at a main challenge as a main challenge runner. I mean, and I know he's done it before with, uh, at least with season 12, I know he did the, you know, the Brock Ally stuff and whatever. We loved him then. It. Why is he so good at, th- he just gets the tone. I think it's that thing that like RuPaul's kind of looking for in the Queens that makes me think of um, Drag Race UK, if anyone's watching that right now. They just did the, uh, the UK Hun Challenge, which by the way, that song, has now hit number four in the top forty charts in the UK. So wow, it's just like you—you you guys are just. Wow. God bless you. God bless them. God bless those queens. But um, it's it's the it's the benefit of of being outside of the matrix and knowing exactly what to do in the matrix. Yeah, and so I think like an example of in that challenge, while it wasn't in the winning group, but RuPaul points out like sister, sister and says, you know, what I liked about her was she had this knowing wink. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what Ross does in these situations is like there's there's like 80 percent or even maybe 90 percent playing this character of bossy Rossi. But there's always 10 percent of Ross Matthews knowing what he's doing and like winking at us. And I think that's it's that balance that shows that you're in on the joke. Right. He's doing an impression and he's playing a character. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't exactly. Know. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I just mm-hmm. he is so good at every, every reference he makes. It's not a direct reference. It's a, an energy reference to a Maury Povich, a Ricky Lake type of host where he's Sally Jesse it, Raphael. Yes, with glasses. I yes, mean, that, the, oh, my God, <laughs> that is like that. That is such an important nuance is those red glasses. Yes. It's like. You know, find a prop that tells the story, you know? God, the way that he, when he's like, uh, you know, well, someone is going to be here that you haven't seen in a long time. And it's like in his eyes that he's playing with the audience. I, I wish I could be a little bit more eloquent about it. I think the the other place I see it is like when he gets very excited about the tickling. Mm-hmm. There's something yeah, there's- that he does. And I think it's even because it's like Sally Jesse or even Amori, you know, I feel like they 
they tried to bring, you know, an air of being an adult in the room. But but I think what Ross is channeling is even more of like a Jenny Jones where it's like, oh, like <laughs> who left her in charge? You know, she's like mm. the bad babysitter, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, well, like, you know, Sally and Maury and Donahue are away. And I feel like there's that, too, of like, oh, we have a host who's just barely keeping control of this show, you know, who's who's. Flaming the flames, right? Like, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. It reminds... I know you haven't seen this movie, but it reminds me of Little Black Book with... Oh, you uh, love that movie. Yeah, Tippy Can Do, and it's Kathy Bates as Bossy Rossi, essentially. And basically what it is, she has a guest on that has some sort of issue, and then the doorbell rings. And it's somebody that, that the guest had no idea was going to be there and causes a lot of drama. And Tippy is like standing on the sidelines, like she's helping these people. But we know that it's exploitative, and I I right. think that's the energy that Ross is uh, getting into, where it's like, oh no, I'm on your side, right? Wink, wink, wink at the audience. That's the weird role these hosts play on talk shows, and the role that that Ross is playing on Bossy Rossi, where. The host is acting as if they're just as surprised, as if they were not in on this from the moment the episode was conceived, you know, mm. and and it's so uh, blatantly manipulative. And I also feel like what I love about it is maybe even still now, but when I think of these talk shows in the 90s, I think of how um, how bold faced it was, how like either. I don't know, either everyone fell for it or they didn't care about hiding it. You know what I mean? Like, I mm. think. If you have any ounce of, like, <laughs> I don't know, social intelligence, you can see that these hosts are just manipulating the shit out of their guests. And I guess, like, Andy Cohen still does it. Wendy Williams still does it. Like, this isn't yeah. an old trend. Oh, it's um, totally Andy Cohen uh, back in the day is what Ross is doing. Because mm-hmm. Andy knows these housewives on those reunion shows, uh, you know, and even on Watch What Happens Live, you know, I, it, it's clear it's clear that he's, you know, feigning interest, but it's really, oh, give us more. Mm-hmm. Give us more drama. Yeah. And I think in terms of this kind of challenge, like now thinking of it as like a drag race challenge, as an improv challenge, given that I think there was, you know, varying levels of success among the contestants this week, I think Ross was kind of this through line of like, this is how you do this challenge. Mm. Like, this is how you play it, because I think you know, what we were kind of seeing with the different groups, it was like Candy and Simone were trying to like not do what Rosé and Denali did of like, we're not going to just go to a hundred and then have to stay there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think you could see each group trying a different tactic because then you'd get a Tina and an Elliot or a Rosé and a Denali where um, they, it's like, let's just go for chaos. Let's just go for, you know, uh, you know, let's let's just hit the you know the ignite button here. And I think what Ross does is like, yeah, there's times when you hit the ignite button. There's times where you play it easy. Like you have to find that balance, sure, um, and tell it's, a story. Yeah, and I think Candy also put it really well. I think it was an untucked, but uh, yeah, when they were wearing the the, the COVID drag face shields. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, unpopular opinions. I'll save yeah. my feelings for that. Yeah. Same. So, uh, but no, she said it. I think really eloquently. She said. Um, that Ross, it's Ross's show. 
Like it's yeah. bossy Rossi's show. So you have to let B- Ross kind of drive for a little bit. And I think that's a great tactic because Ross will help make you funny. He's not there to not make you funny. Right. And I he's think that, yeah. Throwing he's, them softballs. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, and yeah, so that's what I really appreciated about uh, Candy and Simone. And then also the beginning of uh, Got Mick and uh, Olivia. Got Mick. I can't wait to talk about Got Mick uh, at some point because it was so good. That that like psychologist therapist character, the mm-hmm. way the way that she was interacting with Ross was so spot on to me. And that the nuances that Got was tapping into, I thought were really really funny. And they weren't these big you know jokes like Tina or like uh, you know Rose. It was it was depending on something so much smaller. Yeah, I felt like Gutmick was was leaning into this like it was like if Morgan Fairchild was playing that psychiatrist, you know, like mm. I felt like, oh, like you're you're giving me not. Yeah, you know, like, like Tina is a good comparison. Instead of giving me this like over the top ridiculous character, you're giving me like literally what someone who wrote a book would act like in 1993 on Sally Jesse Raphael's show. Like you're, you're tapping into that vibe. And I, I thought I was so much better than I expected. I, yeah. um, that was a very pleasant surprise was, was got Mick really nailing that without having to go over the top. Right. Right. And you know, I think the winner of the challenge is someone that didn't have to depend on Ross. And Mm -hmm. for that, we'll talk about this later in the episode, but it was clear that it was Olivia. Olivia did not need Ross to 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 banter with Ross was uh bantering off of Olivia which was amazing yeah yeah it was I mean I uh I'll I'll say it up front I think Simone should have won this week I I just think that was Olivia was great but I was just like Simone was even better and yeah at the same yeah oh god oh we'll get into it then we're so gonna get into it I'm gonna fight you on this I'm gonna get upset I'm going to be right. angry about it. I'm going to call Great. you names. That seems proportional. Yep. That seems like a rational response to a TV show. Yeah. Um, I'm but... going to go into your DMs and I'm just going to oh. tell you how terrible you are. Yeah. If you can find maybe old tweets that somehow contradict what I'm saying now and then retweet <laughs> it and say this you – um, that uh, would be great. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's bossy Rossi energy, Mary. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to – I'm just pushing that candle off the cooler. Um, <laughs> oh, God. That – Mary. Oh, well, like, my I'll, God. I'll I'll see you're pushing the candle off the cooler, and I'll raise you a Ross throwing the candle across the set <laughs> and exploding. Like, that's – that's the well, move. Well, both – you needed both, though. You needed both. I will say, Ross, at the end of this challenge, ending it – with the people oh. coming home. Oh my god, that was so funny. So funny. <laughs> even even Ross's body language changing when it was like, "All right, we got to get out of here before the home, before the owners get here." It was like a totally different person. And then yeah, that kind of like startled deer in headlights moment in the driveway <laughs> was so good. He's so good at this. He is so good at this. I you know, I wouldn't mind every now and then some sort of draggy bossy Rossi show that's not in the context of drag race, right? I Right. I know, it's like good. this is something he could do 
Like he could he could do something with this, and he probably has better ideas than I do about what I to do. I feel like you know? I feel like I know that he is you know he has a successful podcast and whatnot. I feel like he could even do a segment of Bossy Rossi on Straight Talk where he plays you know what's her name Doctor Doctor Jane. You know that voice. Dr. Uh, Ruth? Dr. Ruth, yes. <laughs> Dr. Jane. <laughs> Dr. Jane. Dr. Jane. Dr. Ruth. and Medicine uh, woman? <laughs> and he, <laughs> um, Jane Seymour. Okay, sorry. I've, I've crossed my wires. Costner? Who played Dr. Um, Quinn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he just has on, you know, these fake guests that he counsels. I mean, you know, he does, uh, certainly does variations of that on straight talk, but it's like with real people or right. with, like strange guests. Like he'll find people who are like, okay, let's bring this person on and mm. see what they have to say on this weird topic. So, but it's, I mean, obviously it's, it's actually interesting listening to straight talk with Ross and then seeing Bossy Rossi. Bossy Rossi is so much of Ross Matthews in drag mm. what he, of what he's doing on the podcast. So it's, if you, if you know both, it's kind of fascinating to see the through line. That's a that's a really great observation because they're yeah Bossy Rossi is is Ross Matthews in drag absolutely yeah yeah I mean yeah it's that thing. that yeah. tracksuit the velour tracksuit mm-hmm. I mean that's that's high drag mm-hmm. <laughs> with that's the coolers the, yes yeah all that's missing uh. is a barca lounger you know <laughs> what is a barca lounger it's like a recliner it's like it, if you if you googled barca lounger you'd be like oh. Yeah, that like I would no, Google it, but I don't want Google then to be selling it to me for the rest of the 2021. No, that season. makes <laughs> one of us. I just Googled it. And yep, it's it's what I pictured. Um, I think my parents owned a Barca lounger. They might even have Barca loungers. But it's oh. essentially a recliner for anyone who's just like, stop saying Barca lounger. It's just like an old person <laughs> recliner. Woof. Yeah. It's something like Archie Bunker would like. Oh, but spend it's not a lot of for outside. In. It's for inside. It's for inside. It's oh, for inside. Oh, I thought it was like outdoor furniture. I mean, listen, anything's outdoor furniture if you're brave enough. But I. There, that's a good point. That's a very valid point. Actually, I, I went to the bodega before because I had to pick up a, a little Red Bull because, you know, uh, mommy was low on the juice. And uh, there was, someone was throwing out because, you know, New York. You just you could put whatever you want out on the street, and right. someone will take it. Mm-hmm. And sitting on a pile of snow, because we we're under like a probably like a eight inches of old snow at this point, but sitting on the piled up snow was an old brown Barca lounger. No just, way, swear to God, swear to God. So so there is part of me that when we're done recording, might go outside and just go see if it's there. Well, you know, Mary, please welcome to the stage, Barca Lounger. Barca um. Lounger. Her Barca is worse than her Bida. <laughs> uh, you're Barca upping the wrong tree. Uh, that didn't work. Sorry. Okay. Just cancel me. Please. All right. Well, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you stay canceled, you don't have to be canceled. So Yeah. Uh, Reclining that's... slowly out yes. of <laughs> <laughs> off stage. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not declining. I'm reclining. There's a yeah, difference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, well, Mary, I am excited to talk about uh, some of our thoughts today, particularly our, our winners and our losers and some tropes. Uh, but before we do, let's tell our Marys what they're listening to. Well, they are, of course, listening to another episode of All Right, Mary. All Right, Mary. All Right, Mary, which is, of course, our podcast. Uh, that's my that's our old tagline, which is our beady, beady little podcast dedicated to all things draggy, queeny, and campy, and queer. I'm Johnny, and I'm pissed, Boots. And I'm Colin, and 
Get a job. Suck a dick. <laughs> I was so happy for that quote to show off. Have I you seen it. that Vine? Have you? Okay, so that's it's this Vine that T.S. Madison did, and and it you know obviously it's only six seconds, so it's a little longer, but it it starts with her. It's just you know yelling advice at someone, and she's just like, um, step your pussy up, get a job, start a business, suck a dick, and then it ends. Oh, fabulous. Oh. But it's just, I love the cadence of, get a job, like, suck a dick. Like, well, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like, um, <laughs> they're not girls, they're men. What is the, uh, oh, the, no, um, RuPaul, what does she say? Uh, use the boys, yes. they're men. Yeah, use the boys. season one reference. They're men, yeah. yes. That's what that sounds like, for sure. Oh, and it was, um, uh, Anita Flowers, uh, she's a daisy. Was, there was another, there's, there's another part of that. She's a rose. <laughs> Use the boys. They're men. Oh, God. Oh, my shoulders just went right into my earlobes with cringe. <laughs> well, you should edit those two together, RuPaul and yeah. T.S. Madison or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got, I got, I got the time. Yeah. I love it. Well, Marys, we're going to take a little break. But before we do, uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Simone and Elliot's backstories talk about Olivia's performance and then I guess also Simone's performance. I uh, guess so. <laughs> and we're going to have a little uh, healthy debate about the the lip sync uh, and then, you know, well, we have some uh, ideas about Tina's storyline, what's going on with Rosé and Denali and uh, that's that. But we'll be right back. See ya. This week on the All Right Mary Patreon... All right. It was it was like she was trying to I don't know resurrect some sort of statue from the ground. Like <laughs> she was yeah. gonna maybe turn maybe an into... Emmy statue. <laughs> I think that's what she was trying to resurrect was an Emmy statue. Like she was turning into Ursula from The Little Mermaid when she turns big. You know, it was like, right, oh, right. Oh. And and the visual of of broth hitting the bread oh. first. You're like, this is wet, wet, wet. And then slapping another piece of bread on top. Okay. Uh, I'm done. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to park that sandwich right in this little garbage can. <laughs> but we need to put out a thread or some post about all of the birds on the runway. Secretly, I think I'm not secretly. I don't know. It's not really a secret. I think I'm most attached to Bimini Bond Oh, I'm I, we have to talk about this. To hear all that and more, go to patreoncom right Mary. All right, Mary. I think Elliot was very, very interesting this episode in the sense of what the show was doing to Elliot throughout the episode and how Elliot was kind of put on display. So it started out with certainly, you know, some conflict in the workroom uh, that spilled over into the reading challenge. And then in the reading challenge, like, I mean, they just edited Elliot's reading to be so bad to the point where then we heard RuPaul say, I think the library burned down. Yeah. I, I think this reading challenge was largely illiterate, but I think, uh, <laughs> Elliot's was the closest to picture books. I, um, just in honestly, like I, I was, I didn't, I don't know. I, I don't want to say I didn't love this reading challenge, but I just, there was something about it that was lacking bite. I think to put a more, more, descriptive around it like Elliot's was certainly the weakest not to tangent away from Elliot but like just to if we're going to talk about the reading challenge for a second it was 
it just felt so slight. And I, I couldn't tell if it was like too early in the season, if these were mm. too self-aware season 13 queens or like, wait a minute, we're playing nice. But I, I was the only read I was satisfied with, of course, was Simone finally making the meth reference we've all been waiting for. Read mm. Tina Burner. Um, I just want a meth reference. Um, but I just, it was like, finally, someone is calling out the obvious. Uh, but- Simone's cadence when she said, Denali, you do got a fat ass bitch. Like just that cadence yeah, made me she- laugh by itself. Like I love that comment with that cadence. Mm-hmm. Simone has she does that <clears throat> it, it and it is reminiscent of RuPaul's that she does this kind of intonation or she does this kind of voice she did it in the um the RuPaul mark challenge she's doing mm. it here like it's it's the same place where factory comes from yes um she she goes into that energy and I really I like it it's it's like okay it's familiar and I've heard her go to that tone before but it works and I think it um it also feels referential like i feel like she's it's original to her but it also is reminding me of soap operas it's it's the way that rupaul sounds like rupaul and also sounds like faye dunaway as joan crawford got it i love that balance and so yes. uh simone was strong for me partially because the reads were good but also because she just gets into that like yeah just that that tone uh well we have lots of time to talk about Simone. I do want to just mm-hmm. continue with Elliot's so, yes. tra- trajectory yeah, yeah. here. So that was a tangent with two T's, excuse <laughs> me. Um. <laughs> so Elliot, um, Elliot then you know has that reading challenge and then gets paired up with Tina for the Bossy Rossi After Dark show, and we get this talking head from Tina where Tina's kind of worried about working with uh, with Elliot. Very funnily, she talks about. You know, what if she jumps in the fucking crosswalk? And I'm like, oh, but isn't Tina the crossing guard? Yeah, but Mrs. Burner, <laughs> shouldn't you be sitting there in your lawn chair? You know, this is this is your second job. Yeah, but she's going to just let her get hit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's like she's – it was sloppy Joe day in the cafeteria. Mrs. Mm. Burner is burnt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sloppy Joes. So, yeah. uh, so Tina then – then we get that moment between Tina and Elliot, and it kind of makes sense, sort of, of Elliot's storyline up till now, because they have that really kind of down-to-earth moment where Elliot's like, you know, I'm <clears throat> struggling with severe depression and all of that, and the and then Tina's basically says it, right? And I think this was kind of the point of Elliot's storyline, which was these are the times you feel ashamed you made judgments about people without getting to know them first. Mm. Which is, I, you know, I know that this segment was a lot about Elliot and kind of getting that backstory and, yes. and whatnot, but I felt like I was getting a lot about Tina as well. I was, mm. yeah. I mean, not you know, I was yeah. getting like, there was, it, it was about what Elliot was talking about, but it was also how Tina was responding to it. And I think we were also seeing kind of the softer side of Tina. We were seeing this like, college RA energy of like mm. her I don't know like it was it was sort of a surprising level of empathy that I think the character of Tina we've been shown didn't seem to have and it's important to say the character of Tina what we saw on this show so far right um and I I liked that because I feel like a I appreciated I appreciated hearing this backstory from Elliot just to kind of go back to Elliot for a second I appreciated the hearing backstory from Elliot because I think it was very clear that there was a disconnect between her and the rest of the girls. And like 
side note, I'm aware of everything that Candy's been talking about with with Elliot during the season and, and you know, some uh, racist comments and transphobic comments. And I think I'm just talking about what we're seeing on the show right now. Sure. Like it, it just, you know, I'm talking about the, the narrative that RuPaul's Drag Race is telling us in this episode. Yes, so yes. I'm just acknowledging I know there's more. I right. know, but we're just right. talking about the show right now. Yes. Um, so, because I think that just gets to a much more complicated conversation. We're talking about her yeah. severe depression. That's right. what we're talking about. Right. And yes. I, yeah, I kind of want to just focus on that. Um, and I, I, I appreciated that that came up. I feel like, I don't know. I like when mental health comes up on RuPaul's Drag Race. Mary. I, oh, absolutely. And I love that they're connecting it to, for us, right? So well. Yeah. With yeah. Tina, because Tina also talked about her mother and and what that was like, uh, you know, when what she was like off pills and on pills and whatever. But uh, the the thing that came to mind with Elliot, because Elliot's like, you know, I don't want people to know, I don't want them to know. Yeah. Oh, she's depressed. Oh, oh, what is this? And the the, the thing that came to mind, I'm I, I'm somebody that struggles with mental health health issues as well. Uh, and there's a poem that I love by Emily Dickinson, and it's called A Wounded Deer Leaps Highest. And the whole poem, you know, the first sentence or the first stanza is A Wounded Deer Leaps Highest. I've heard the hunter tell, tis but the ecstasy of death, and then the break is still. And what the whole poem is about is basically like when you're hurt or when you're hurting, you do whatever you can to make it look like you're not. So mm-hmm. that other people won't just push you down or can or you know see you as weak and then right. you know what i mean you don't yep. want anybody to yell out you're hurt you're hurt right because that's blood in the water and yeah and and what the irony of it is is well we see you bleeding we see you leaping very very high we we were wise enough to know that maybe this is kind of an act and i think that's what tina was trying to tell elliot like look why don't you just take the hey girl out and just be Elliot. And, right. and sometimes you just need to have that conversation with people and in a very different way than that's not how you talk when we hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that, that there's a big difference between that or like calling out someone saying, well, it's just, I feel like you're being fake. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's like having to connect that like there is, it, there's so much shame connected to all of this that if you trigger that shame, then it's all, then it's just Jenga, you know? Like, yes. I think once somebody is subsumed with shame about something, then the doors close. And I think, so the way Tina navigated that was like, yeah, it was surprisingly adult. And, um, and I, and I think, you know, the feedback was, yeah, surprisingly constructive, especially in RuPaul's Drag Race where, um, more often it's a little more blunt or a little more, um, more about calling out where people are being fake and more about where is there room for conflict here. Like, I think mm-hmm. Tina was kind of diffusing the Elliot conflict instead of being like, oh, here's this queen who's just rubbing everyone the wrong way. It's like, oh, well, maybe it's, be- you know, here's this very human reason why. And and um, I don't know. I, I really, I appreciated that. I uh, I also felt like, I don't know, I'm wondering what that means, like, have we gotten Elliot's story and now she's going to go home next week? Or is mm. it like, oh, this is chapter two of Elliot, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'll certainly answer that. But uh, the idea of getting to know somebody first before making judgments about them is a huge universal 
theme that having context about somebody's experience to understand their behavior, their words, who they are, what they're coming for, right? Like will start to connect people. It's about compassion. Um, I do think that this is Elliot's moment. I, I can't imagine Elliot staying much longer. Um, I, it's not that I, you know, want to hate on Elliot. It's just, I think there's other, there's other stories that we've yet to see on this show. Uh, yeah. and, and I will talk about that maybe a little bit later, but it's like, okay. And, and not for nothing, but like Elliot didn't improve much in the challenge. And then even on the lip sync, you're like, well, that could have gone either way. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of Elliot in the season so far. And yet there are other queens who are still here that we haven't really gotten a lot of who are. It just it's like, OK, this seems to me like <laughs> this, I don't think this is I don't think Elliot's you know, narrative on, on RuPaul's Drag Race is war and peace. We've, we've probably gotten a lot of Elliot right now because this is the, this is all of it, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Um, yes. I mean, we got a lot of Elliot, Mary. We got a lot of Elliot being this underdog trying to fit in. And then now we have a, like literally the, the editors being like, these are the times you feel ashamed. You made judgments about people without getting to know them first. Right. And it's kind of like, okay, that's the thesis statement. Now we understand what this was all for, why Elliot, you know, got sent home first by the girls in the loading dock and then went to the other group and they all thought of her as the loser. Like all of that. We finally yeah. get this moment. It's, and it's very season 13, if you think about it, of like anyone who's been cast in any sort of villain light so far this season has then gotten this, you know, backstory narrative. And so I think that's why we've been seeing, you know, very different sides of Candy Muse. And I think we got to see different sides of Tamisha. So anyone who's had a conflict, you were able to kind of see like, oh, OK, but like, you know, you're not just seeing them the way they showed us Fifi O'Hara in season mm -hmm. four. They're not you know? just tropes anymore. They're yeah. trying to move beyond the trope or they're going to introduce us with the trope and then say, nope, they're a person. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, we're seeing that on drag race UK as well. I think Ahura is, is an uh, example of that. Yeah. Um, and only because her look from like a couple weeks ago with her brain exposed made me think of this, but you brought up Emily Dickinson, and it made me think of my favorite Emily Dickinson poem, which is quite simply, and I may get a word or two wrong. Um, if I feel physically as if the top of my head were taken off, I know that is poetry. Mm. I love that. Um, but of course, you know, uh, that's, you know, I, I couldn't go to my grave without saying it. So there it is. Um, I, I love that that also makes me think about Hannibal Lecter. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's the power of Emily. Um, uh, so, Mary, um, if we're talking about tropes versus real people, let's talk about Simone. Yeah, Simone. Uh, you know, it it's funny. I feel like the way this episode was going this week, in in terms of the narrative, felt to me like a layup for Simone winning the challenge. I felt like we were seeing Simone, you know, kind of being sort of doubtful of how they were going to do in the rehearsal with candy and then taking a risk in the challenge and doing really well and then killing and then having this this backstory in the workroom about you know being afraid of of disappointing people and that her perfectionism comes from people pleasing and and mm. getting that narrative about her brother and you know kind of seeing that like this queen who we've seen 
you know, throughout the season getting the marks of like, you know, being perfect or having some of the best looks on the runway and being top competition. Like she, you know, uh, articles about the the season so far saying like, who could possibly beat Simone at this point? Like she's Mm. getting such a like front runner, unbeatable energy, you know, narrative. And I liked kind of seeing the backstory of like, well, that's, some of that is coming from her dancing as fast as she can to get away from like her fears of disappointing people or, Mm. you know, trying as hard as she can to please everybody. And it's coming across as this like effortless perfection, but she's really like sweating it underneath. And I thought that's, I love that because if I think if it was just, Oh, Simone is effortlessly killing this competition, that would be admirable, but would be interesting. Sure. Right. We the the struggle is always more interesting, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to yeah. see somebody. I think RuPaul has said this uh, that you know just doing well is not interesting, right? We have yeah. to we have to see that there's a you know a brain and a heart behind there, right? Right. Yeah, you can't just be the sexy one, or you know, of course, my my queen from season three from the comedy challenge, Rita Rudner, saying infamously to Carmen Carrera, yes, "There's this nothing is it. funny. This is it. There, there's nothing funny about a person who's good looking and confident." Mm-hmm. Right. And you and you could you could replace funny with interesting. Yes. Yes. Right. There's nothing interesting about that. Absolutely. I mean, what no. would actually, if I were to challenge my myself, what's interesting about that is that there's nothing interesting about that. If that makes sense. Right. Right. Yeah. What what becomes interesting about that is like then I'm like Lara Croft trying to find where is the tomb of insecurity that's driving all of this, mm-hmm. you know, like then it's like, you know, wanting to get into that person's head um, and, you know, <laughs> maybe finding out that, nope, there's really nothing fucking in there. They're just good looking and confident, you know, it's just a wind tunnel. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's that kind of thing where when you see you know, a thirst trap on social media and whatnot. And then you're like, oh, and, and their pictures are telling you a narrative or you're in, you're filling in the narrative of their life from their pictures. Right. The way they like pose. Lazy the way they Sunday. Look. Yeah. Every, and, yeah. And just all of it. And then like you see a video of them talking and just like getting that like, oh, seeing them in action, seeing them having to think and use their thoughts to create words and put sentences together. You're like, oh, God, I had this idea that you just like had it all together, but you you're just like like you're dumb, you know? And I I think that uh I don't know. I feel like this is I guess like the reverse of that with Simone. Well, yeah. I mean, but I don't know. I never thought I I I hope people understand. We're not saying that we thought Simone was dumb. We thought that Simone maybe was just so good at this. But now we're learning, no, there's a reason why Simone is good at this. And it's because she is very um, energized and motivated by, you know, her own want to succeed, right? Which comes from a very specific place. Yeah, I don't think I was saying Simone is dumb. I was saying thirst traps are often dumb. Um, You never know what narrative people are going to spin about you, Mary. I'm just saying. (laughs) Oh, I know, I know, I know. But it's but at the same time, I'm like, oh, if I had to address the keyboard warriors every time I said something, I'd never yes, complete right. a thought, you know? You're right, you're right. Um, you're right. But I, it's like if, anyway. Um, no, I, I think if anything, Simone is even more interesting to me because of the effort, because of, and the awareness of the effort, you know? I think that's... Um, right. I mean, that's it's also kind of like, that's also what makes someone a winner in RuPaul's Drag Race is like, there's that superstar quality of like, oh, wow, I connect with you as an entertainer and as a person. And I think 
if you can do both, I mean, uh, I feel like Bob the Drag Queen was like that, where it was like, oh, you're like a great entertainer, and I really like you as a person. And mm. I think that's like the real winning combo. Well, and Bob, and what's interesting, and I, I feel like somebody recently just pointed this out to me, but like, the Bob is smart, and you can Bob is tell so smart. You oh. can tell in his drag, and you can tell when he is, you know, uh, giving confessionals on his podcast. He's just a smart person, and, and 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 you look at somebody like Simone, and maybe Simone hasn't been given enough airtime to show how smart Simone is. Similar to, oh, I don't know, a. Like a, a Violet Jotchke is also very smart. Aquaria mm-hmm. is actually very smart, which oh, yeah. wasn't shown as much on the show at the start, you know, because they wanted to spin this narrative of this, like, you know, this this plucky kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like with with drag queens, sometimes we don't get to see how smart they really are until after the show or later in the season. Um, somebody like Bob, you know, I just feel like straight out the gate was... Oh, like, yeah, I, I'm thinking about everything here. Right, right. It's like <clears throat> with Bob, you, you kind of I remember from the first episode just feeling like, oh, you have your finger on the pulse. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think another example of that is Darian Lake. They painted her as shady, but she's so fucking smart. I mean, those yes. jokes were so funny. Yeah. Uh, and I just that was someone who was like, oh, Darian's just like really smart. Uh, Delta work also like smartest person in the room. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love a smart queen. Ugh. And you could say the same about Katya, right? Like, very smart. Oh, yeah. But they, oh, they, yeah. they painted her as this, like, anxious, you mm-hmm. know, self-doubter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting on a show like this where, like, it when you're creating tropes, I guess, or you're, you're kind of casting people in, in certain tropes, smart doesn't feel like that feels like too simple of a trope if you're gonna do smart you're gonna get like a sasha valor and have like Mm. oh here's someone who's like super intellectual like it's Mm -hmm. always like smart with drag on you know Mm. um so it's hard to just kind of see the like you know intelligent person underneath sure yeah well uh you know if we're talking about simone you think simone should have won this week hands down Uh, yeah so i I feel like Olivia's performance. I mean, uh, granted, I gotta say this. I gotta say this up front. the The runway I understand is part of the challenge, but if you win the main challenge, especially when it's an improv thing, the the, the runway is always kind of secondary. So, like Simone had a fabulous runway, and some would argue is better than Olivia's, but. In many ways, Olivia's runway was also very put together. It was very thoughtful. Um, it was Mondo's design. Okay, Mary? Was it? Oh, yes. well, that makes me happy. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. It was Mondo, Mary. Um, anyway, if you have to say who the designer is, it doesn't matter who yeah. the designer is. <laughs> kidding. Mondo, um, great designer, really <laughs> great juice. Have you ever had a Mondo juice? Remember those? Remember those? Mondo you did twist? No. Remember it? No, you don't remember Mon. Okay, so Mondo, the the bottles were like a really like thin gummy plastic. Oh you, yes, oh, and you I twisted the top those. off, and it had yes. wings. Yeah. Oh god, it was just sugar. Um, it was just sugar, and it just came out of that little pee hole on the top. <laughs> it was just yes. water sports every time. I do, I do remember those. Um, yeah. so Olivia, but Olivia, I just felt like so. Anyway, what I meant to say is that let's put the runway aside. I want to talk about just the challenge here. 
Is that fair? Uh, right now, go for it. Yes. So uh, Olivia's performance. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Elle Woods quotes t- ensue. Um, oh I- yeah, I would lose that game in a second. <laughs> um, so I got into Harvard. That's the only quote I know. <laughs> That's all I got. 179. That's the yeah. quote, Mary. 179. No, um, the only quote I really know is, Courtney, take your break. But that's from the musical. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, so Olivia, first of all, they set it up very nicely where she was arguing over who would get the mime role with Utica. And Olivia was like, no, this is something I want to do. This is the role for me. I can do this. Mary, she delivered and then some... The body language that Olivia was delivering was someone that is so aware and comfortable in their own skin. I felt like there were moments of Olivia's performance. Now, call me crazy, but there were elements of and parts of Olivia's performance that reminded me of Lucille Ball on I Love Lucy. Yes, I I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, there was that. I mean, yeah, the the the... The dose, the, you know, Lucy always had the physical slapstick comedy kind of informing her performance. And I feel like this was fully physical slapstick comedy in a way or slapstick mime comedy. Yeah, she had to tell jokes without any words. And I feel like that moment when she got up, well, it started with the face thing, right? Okay, you know, mm-hmm. I, very funny, very creative. But then when she got up to tell the story, Right. About, you know, cleaning the floors and obviously got Mick was a big part of the the, the second punchline. Right. So, mm-hmm. I, so I do want to give got Mick credit. But Olivia was the one driving this. And I feel like that is the master when you were on stage with Ross Matthews and then you just drive it all. And it's interesting the entire time she had the ice cream bit to kind of break it up. Mm-hmm. She she had the, the panting. She was so good and this was all improvised like it was all in the moment and I believed every second of it it was in her face it was in her body she didn't have to say anything this was expert level if I can just go to the ends of an opinion I just feel like this was expertly done I was so impressed I'm not disagreeing I mean here's the thing it's not like oh Olivia was okay it the reason, so I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. The reason why I think Simone still won the challenge over Olivia was, I think it's what RuPaul had said about Simone and the critiques of like Simone puts the mm. audience at ease. You are mm. never worried about cringing. You're never concerned about where she's going with a joke. There's that that self assurance that I think it was like she had less like joke jokes, you know, because like Olivia's there was certainly, I mean. So much of that was, you know, it was all just this this performance, whereas Olivia, or excuse me, Simone was was doing this character. And so it was kind of just seeing her embody this Deborah and, and watching it slowly escalate. And I think that control, like what impressed me was like Simone's control over the scene. Mm. Um, I love, I don't know if I brought this up before, but I feel like in the past she's given off a Laverne Cox vibe, but like this week I was like, wow, like you are giving me such Laverne Cox and I love it. Um, Interesting. And like that same like energy was just like, I could feel that coming through. Um, she talked through tears, which was lovely. Um, and, and just, there was lots of little nuances there that I, 
that felt to me, I think there was just like the self-assurance that I was never worried about anything Candy was going to do or anything Ross was going to throw at her because it just seemed like in some ways to kind of take from what you're saying, Simone just started driving that scene. Uh, I mean, I well, certainly Simone came in and picked it picked it up a notch. I think that was from what I was getting from Candy and Simone that that was purposeful. That Candy was there to set the stage, and then Simone was going to be the rising action that would then bring them to the climax. So, uh, which was that the singing stuff, right? The row, row, row your boat. That was kind of our climax there. Um, so I hear you, but I. I don't know. I thought it was funny. I thought it was great. I'm not saying that she was, you know, not that good. I think she was great, deserved to be in the top. Um, and I I think that a lot of people are saying, why did, why did Olivia win? Why did Olivia win? Because they saw her runway last instead of seeing her performance last. Her performance was so good that it didn't, I, I mean, it's not that it didn't matter what she did on the runway, but it was, it, she did it. And I, I don't know. That's where I, I land with it. We don't have to, we can agree to disagree, Mary. It's all Yeah, good. I think we just agree <laughs> to disagree. I think, because I feel like the runway should matter. I feel like. Yeah. Because uh, I felt, because I mean, I appreciate that, you know, that was a Mondo design. And I understand that that was not Candy's wig from last week, apparently. It's not. Um, no, just a, no, a, it's not. Quite a coincidence. Um, yes, and and I think it's a very unfortunate coincidence for someone like Olivia because, you know, she, the, uh, we I went on Instagram with uh, my friend and because we were like, is it? And it's two separate wig stylists. You can go on Instagram and check to see those wig stylists. Um, and it's unfortunate because this is the second time that Olivia is – pulling yeah. out a look that another queen did, you know, very similar before. And, you know, you're, you're kind of forced to be like, well, is this the same or like, let's compare, you know, and it's, it's, and it's an unfortunate game, but it's not the same wig. I thought Olivia, I thought it matched Olivia's look. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it, it looked a, good. It was a, I, I got what she was giving and I, and maybe if I hadn't seen Candy do something similar, I might've been more excited by, by that. But I think, you know, not having, you know, I still, it was like, but then Simone came out and I was like, holy shit. Like you just, this is so cool. And I also love the idea that it's like, it's not like, I feel like it wasn't expensive. And that's what I love about it was like, this is, this is all just beads. This is just, this is just hard work mm -hmm. of whoever made this look. And, yeah. and I think, what was so exciting about it was, yes, it was in terms of like the actual silhouette was sort of a, a simpler silhouette done really, com you know, in a really complex way. But her embodiment of that look, who she mm. was in that look, oh. felt so much more embodied. And and sometimes I feel like I see Olivia, kind of what you're saying about like Ross doing an impression. Sometimes I see Olivia doing an impression of the illusion she's giving when I never see Simone doing an impression. I always see her embodying it. Interesting. Uh, that's a uh, that's a great point. I think I don't know if I see Olivia doing an impression. I see her kind of putting on a character to fit the look. This kind of retro schoolgirl. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was charming. The other thing that I think the elephant in the room here that we have to talk about is that the show knows what happens when they give one person all of the wins, right? And, 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 you know, so they know I it's going to get us talking. Yeah, yes, I mean, yes. they did this last season with Gigi. I mean, again, it's not like they manipulate it, but it's 
they know in the past that like, well, you know, when this happens, fans are really going to be talking because anytime somebody wins two in a row, people get talking about that person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, two in a row, and they can't give another one to Simone. You know what I mean? Because then it would be like, oh my God, Simone has four wins. She, how is she going to lose? Because then we get a Shea Coulee situation. So I feel like they have to also spread out the love where it's like, well, it could go either way. All right, let's give it to Olivia because it's her second win in a row. That's interesting. And from a reality show standpoint, it's also interesting to see multiple girls get the wins. If they know Olivia is going to go far, which it seems like she's going to, then why not give it to Olivia? Olivia had a great look and was fabulous in the challenge. You had RuPaul say she stole the show. When RuPaul says she stole the show, she's going to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, but I think the logic you're giving for why they're giving Olivia the win is the same logic they could have given to Simone because they could have <laughs> said like, like literally Olivia won last week and you're saying they're going to spread it around so they're going to give it to Olivia again when Simone won like three weeks ago. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would have been overkill if Simone won. It was, if the concern was overkill, then they made the wrong decision because Olivia just won. I think, uh, I mean, I think Drag Race UK is such an interesting example because they'll just give Peter badges out to the same girl every week. They don't care. Like, Lawrence Cheney oh, is mostly sure. Peter badges at this point. Right. Like, Vivian did that too. Yeah. She had like four of them by the end. Like, it was a, but it, I don't know. I mean, you could say the same about Drag Race Thailand, Anjalea Nong. She had like five wins by the end of that season. I mean, uh. it was like, and was the only one in the top three who had been in the entire season like it's there are some seasons where it's just like come on well i don't think connor should have gone home but whatever that's well sure but that's you know that's a whole other bag of beans um but i i think you know at the same time thinking like when when they when they have lots of great performances in a challenge and lots of great runways there have to be those conversations of like okay who who should we choose this week there's no like clear standout. What makes the most sense for a variety of reasons we're not even aware of. And I feel like there's definitely a clear reason they gave Olivia the win this week that is not just because she was the best in the challenge. You know, like that right. may have also been true, but there were definitely other reasons, you know? Well, and I, I know this is kind of an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to share it here. I feel like this episode, because there were performers that were kind of doing the same in terms of how good they were or not how good they were. I just waited for the judges to tell me how to feel because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I just didn't mm-hmm. know how, how well anybody did or who did better based on the challenge. And I feel like that is something that's just treading water for a season. They're, they're like, all right, let's edit it this way so we can push our own narratives. Now, I know that's very tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's very, very upset Olivia Lux stands right now or very upset uh, Simone stands, and let's just be honest, Mary, stand culture is illogical, so please just oh. think critically. <laughs> stand culture. Please welcome to the stage, stand culture. <laughs> he overreacts to everything! <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously, I, you know, I, I, I just needed them to tell me how to feel, and I feel like that's a reality show doing its job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, like, just kind of gauging my own reaction, like Olivia now having two wins, my thoughts on Olivia in this challenge change. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, okay. Olivia's mm-hmm. going far for sure. You know, like mm. you just start to make these, these assumptions. You try to start to pick up these clues of like, okay, well, if we're at this point in the season and this is happening, 
it stands to reason this person's probably going to go far. Sure. Um, and like it just it gets you to start thinking about like it's, it gets you to be thinking about who's going to win long before that comes in the season. You know, like it's it's interesting how these these turns in the plot throughout the season um, like get people to start making predictions when there's still like eight queens in the competition, you know? <laughs> right. Which, you know, if we're going to be Tamisha on about it, it's like, there's still some other girls here, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently Roseanne Denali are in this competition. Uh, oh, so who we'll knows? talk about that. We'll definitely talk yeah. about that. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm at the point of watching drag race and I know that this is not popular and other people can watch the show however they want, but I watch the show now with, without emotional investment when my fave doesn't win the challenge. I, I know that the judging is subjective. I know that the reality show is going to manipulate storylines and manipulate the footage to make me feel a certain way. And so when, when the, the queen that I think should win wins or when the queen that I think should win doesn't win, I know that I can't just get, I can't get that upset about it. And I can't get mad at somebody that disagrees with me because it's like, it is all subjective. It's all based on so many factors. And so that's kind of where I am with this. It's like, yeah, I thought that Olivia should won. If Simone had won, I would have been like, yeah, okay, great. I'm glad Simone won. Olivia did great too. (laughs) Yeah. And then I have, and I have that moment where I look up and I see my reflection in the bathroom mirror and I'm like, why am I mad? (laughs) Why am I mad right right now? Why am I mad? Yeah. Why, why is I- anger and <laughs> why is anger and emotion that I'm experiencing about this? Like I don't think you know? enough people do that. I don't think enough people do that before they, you know, tweet or they And DM, I think that as know? someone as a co-host of All Right Mary, in which our tagline should be like, yeah, we're going to take it pretty seriously. You know, like talk about stan culture, you know what I mean? Like Potter Kettle girl, Potter Kettle. But yeah, but we can day, also criticize the show. Totally. And it's just, you know, uh, it, it's something to have strong opinions about. But like then when it's over, I'm like, OK, well, I mean, whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Who won? Whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Or, oh, my God, did they make me laugh? Or how's Mrs. Amon? Right. Did she bring right. the coolers? Yeah. Yeah. Like then that becomes the concern is like, sure. w- like what? Like then I think of, OK, but what's the ongoing story of like RuPaul Andre Charles primary school? Like. You know, then I think of them as teachers again, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is a headspace I can I can spend time in. Yeah, right, right. With the you know the drunken crossing guard that's just gonna let Elliot get hit by a car. Ugh. Well, you know, it's like because you know Miss Elliot's that new like uh, sub, the long term sub who's been replacing that favorite teacher who's pregnant. Uh huh. Um, yes. And so Mrs. Burner, who if anyone doesn't know, is not only the crossing guard in the afternoon, but she's also the the lunch lady. Mm. Um, she's, I, I just think that she's been watching from the kitchen and she's like, I'm not sure about this one. I don't know. Uh, well, you know, but she's also concerned. She went up to her and then, yeah. you know, Elliot's like, yeah, I, I struggle with depression. Right. Um, oh yeah. And no, so, Mrs. And Burner th- is yeah. that. And she like, tells all the other kids. She's like, Hey, maybe get to know Elliot a little bit more. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. And then she slaps some mashed potatoes down on their tray. Now get moving. <laughs> yeah. Candy, get moving. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I do want to segue one cosmic brownie. <laughs> I said one. Sorry. <laughs> I do want to segue to another thing that could very easily just be manipulated uh, with the lip sync, right? If we're going to talk about the winners of this episode, we could talk about the quote-unquote losers. Um, Because you feel like Elliot with two Ts should have won this lip sync, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I would have given it to Lala. And I liked Lala for it mostly because Lala had it, had the song in her face. Oh, you could see her face behind her hair? (laughs) Okay. 
I, I saw yeah, cousin it. Tronda, Mary. Oh yeah. no. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, you know, no shade, Miss Re. I, she's, I, I love watching Lala perform. I just felt like the there's, I don't know. I guess once once Elliot, you know, mimed grits in the pot. I was like, well, she knows, she knows the way to my heart. You know, once you mime uh, grits, I don't like that. I, you know, Elliot. I know I, thought... I didn't really like it, but I, <laughs> but I noticed it. I didn't. I'm saying I loved it, but I was like, well. All right. <laughs> Elliot, I thought, had great theatrics and was great for TV. You know, if the, we were watching this in a club, you know, or a bar, it would have been like, oh, the splits, blah, 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 all that stuff. I thought the beads really helped her. She mm-hmm. kept pulling focus whenever she did some, like, sort of theatric, and the camera showed us that. But, uh, and, you know, even if you liked Lala's energy more, you still looked over at Elliot. And so I'm like, okay, I could see how Elliot pulled focus and therefore mm-hmm. won. But for me, it always comes down to the face. And I just saw more attitude in Lala's face with the words, whereas Elliot was all body and mm-hmm. and less about the face. And that doesn't surprise me. I feel like that's like Elliot, that's where Elliot's strengths are and dancing and like that sort of type of performance. Like I'm not shocked. I think I also was expecting Elliot to win. I felt like, Lala had been in the bottom before. Mm. I think they were maybe not, they were like, okay, I think, you know, I think we're kind of hitting some of the same walls. And I think Elliot, there's, I mean, thinking of it as a reality TV show, like they're going to get more mileage from an Elliot. Maybe not much more after this episode, but they've been getting more mileage from Elliot in the show than Lala in terms of conflict, in terms of narratives. Yes. Um, whereas, I mean, I just Lala don't... was a. Go ahead. She was a great commentator, but she didn't, you know, there were no fights, you know? Yeah, I don't, I guess I just don't find Elliot's drama that interesting. I mean, I find her backstory very interesting, and I'm like, let's keep going with that. With Lala, I'm just disappointed that she went home because, yeah, I loved her talking heads, and I just don't feel like we got enough of who Lala was. Yeah, like who Lala was. Like, I, I almost feel like this episode... We've gotten Simone backstory before, and so I was a little surprised to see it again. If she wasn't, if it wasn't going to be an episode that then ended up being about her win, mm. I thought, oh, maybe that would have been a a spot to give us a little more Lala, you know, mm-hmm. um, little, you know, what's you know, you know, maybe a video message in Untucked from you know Mrs. Ree, you know, <laughs> from the Rees. Or Bob's mother who crowned her, right? I, I feel like uh, on Bob's podcast, he talked about Bob, Bob's podcast. That's so shady. Bob and <laughs> Monet Exchange is Monet Exchange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he talked about how his mother had a drag contest and Lala Ree won. Like Bob's like birth mother? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that she was a... I didn't realize I didn't, it was like I didn't know that either. House of Caldwell. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't um, know that either. But yeah, that was that was the that was what I learned there. But wow. yeah, I don't know. The lip sync was. Uh, I thought it was a good song. I loved Lala's hips. I just thought her outfit worked so well. I mean, granted, Elliot did great. Elliot looked great, um, and that was it. Was really fun to watch, and I am biased. I just love Lala. Yeah, I hear you. I I really enjoyed her this season, um, but I, yeah, I wasn't surprised, and I also feel like, well, you know, time to time to get used to saying goodbye to some people you like. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, there's a couple more I'm gonna. I feel like are not gonna make it to the end that I would like to see make it to the end. So, well, um, let's talk about that. But before we do, we're gonna take a quick little break. 
You know what I love? What's that, Mary? I love therapy. Oh, you love her. Love her and need her. Can't get enough of her, which is why we love BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed professional therapist safely and privately. You can be matched with someone within 24 hours. Tinder wishes. And with phone or video sessions available, scheduling a session is as easy as ordering a pizza. And I do love pizza. I also love that you can send a message to your counselor at any time and actually get a response. And if you want to change counselors, no problem. It's both free and easy. BetterHelp is available worldwide, and their counselors are licensed and trained in everything from depression and anxiety to grief, relationships, sleep, self-esteem, and more. There are so many people using BetterHelp right now. They've recruited more counselors in all 50 states. It's more affordable than traditional in-person talk therapy, and there's even financial aid available if you need. Marys, if you're interested in trying BetterHelp, get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash allrightmary, and that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's right. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash allrightmary. And again, that's H-E-L-P. Mary, who do you want to get to the end that is not going to get to the end? I'm concerned about Utica. She's been in the Mm. bottom three twice now. Mm. Uh, She was also just featured in a feature story in vogue i think uh this past week so uh utica's you know she's you know is this like as the fashion queen of season 13 which i love um Mm. so i love the recognition uh part of me was concerned that her being in vogue this week was like oh no does that mean she goes home this week but (laughs) you know like like when queens release a single whenever they go home could Um, you imagine her lip syncing in that dress though that wouldn't have worked no no they wouldn't have given that to us yeah that would have been yeah kimura playing snake yeah Mm. i so i'm concerned about utica i think she is in terms of who's left and who i'm who like i have an attachment to and i expect like that i expect could go utica is kind of my concern i feel like she next week it's a singing and a dancing challenge Mm. she's not really a singer or a dancer um and being in the bottom three twice now i kind of feel like well that that's you know that's tricky business so um that's who I'm concerned about. What do you think about Miss Mrs. Burner? Oh, what is going question. on with her? Mrs. Bur- so uh, yes, because Tina is such a like surprising supporting character so far this season. You know, I um, I like that she didn't wear orange and red and and yellow on the. Well, there was some yellow, but it's okay. Uh, it wasn't the same theme on the runway this week. I like that she kind of reminded me of a king cake. Have you ever had king cake? Of course. Oh, I fucking love king cake. I love king cake. I don't even need to have the baby in it. I just, like, I don't need to get the baby. I just want the king cake. Uh. We used to do king cake. Uh, there's a French version of it um, in France uh, for Carnival. Makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, uh, king is cake it, is... is it different? Is it like a croissant or something? Or? No, no, it's like a cake. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, it's just a cake. No, I they believe just, it's, it's just pronounced uh, croissant. So. Oh, I forgot about the W in croissant. <laughs> she really puts the W in croissant. Um. <laughs> That's somebody really snobby. So yeah, Tina, exactly. You, you know, Tina. Tina, I thought did good in the challenge because she did. She did the assignment right. She was that. If mm-hmm. Tina is a student at RuPaul Charles, uh, you know, middle school, um, Tina did the assignment right. Um, yeah. But but 
it's uh, she t- she she turned it in late or she when she turned it in it had like some some coffee smudges on it right because mm-hmm. her runway i i mean i feel like she revealed a non reveal like she revealed and i was like oh did did she take something off like it just didn't oh yeah work. it was like oh did she just take her pants off okay yeah. oh she yeah. oh, her boobs okay like yeah, i like yeah. the boobs but like at that point, I was like, I'm underwhelmed by this look, and I didn't yeah. like the hair, right? So yeah. there's there was a lot that was going on with that look. And the challenge, a lot of people were like, Tina's robbed from the challenge, but I do see the point. It was funny, and then it was then it just stayed there. It's it, That's that thing where, like, oh, just go to 100, and then you have to maintain it, you know? And I think it, it – it, that happens a lot. It happened with Denali and Rosé and Lala. Like, it just – it gets to the point where you can't – really hear the jokes anymore and it's just Mm. chickens squawking and Mm -hmm. i felt like it kind of went there um tina did fine i don't think she was robbed but i think you know this week in terms of how she did this week is kind of how it's been the whole season where it's like yeah tina's there and she's not doing bad and she's it's never really been about her i mean i felt like this week she was like the b story of the of the of the depression plot but you know that was kind of the most humanizing moment we'd gotten of tina i think yeah. Um, this season. And I'll say this. I feel like we went into the season expecting an unlikable energy from Tina. Yes. Expecting a very like, you know, uh, bully or yeah, bitchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a sort of a harsh vibe. And I, I'm definitely appreciating Tina a lot more. There's almost, to be honest, there's kind of an adult in the room quality that I'm really appreciating. Especially with Tamisha gone, you know? Sure. Yeah, you have to look to the next oldest child. Yes, um. <laughs> exactly. This is party of five. Like, you're Nev Campbell. You need to be the mom now, you know? <laughs> Claudia. <laughs> Claudia, I'm sick. Um, that's my Matthew Fox impression. That's, that's great, uh, yeah. Um, my Jennifer Love Hewitt impression is that I put my thumbs in these holes at the bottom of the sleeves of my sweater. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Julia impression is that I'm touching my face all the time. I was going to say, yeah, lots I'm of touching the face. Bailey, yeah. Bailey. <laughs> Wearing a leather jacket, yeah. <laughs> Dating Jeremy London. <laughs> oh, right, right. Uh, you know, I never watched a single episode of Party no? 5. So this is a real high-wire act right now, yeah. There are uh. some wonderful little actresses that had bit roles that you know i guess they essentially just like dated charlie or dated matthew fox and then left Mm -hmm. um that came from that show obviously nev campbell scott fucking wolf oh god i just want to wear him like a snorkel yeah i mary he was he was the first fake celebrity like uh huh. Gift mm-hmm. or you know, um, uh, what did they call them back in? The, were they, was it gifts? Um, like X rayed X gifts that I got on AOL. It was him in the shower, but it was his face pasted on some naked guy. <laughs> yeah, I've, pro- I've probably seen that. Quote unquote, seen. Um, yeah. <laughs> emphasis uh, <laughs> euphemism for. Well, you know, uh, this this is a golden opportunity for me to talk about the Evening Star, um, <laughs> the underappreciated sequel to Terms of Endearment. I saw Co- that scene. <laughs> yeah, co-starring Scott Wolf, and that was a sexual awakening with Scott Wolf with a teddy bear wearing nothing but a teddy bear over mm. his crotch, oh, and then Scott throwing Wolf. it at Shirley MacLaine, and I was like, man. I hope reincarnation does exist, Shirley, because I want to come back as you in this moment. <laughs> right. So it certainly was that plus, I have to add this, 
plus Chris O'Donnell as Robin Hood. Of course. In Batman Forever. I mean, it's Robin Hood. Robin Hood, sorry. Robin. <laughs> I was thinking about hoods. Yeah. Tea and coffee's about, hood. Yeah, sure, sure. Who isn't thinking of a hood? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we're, we're tangenting with two T's. Let's talk about uh, Tina uh, or just end that, that discussion. Because, yeah, I don't know what they're doing with Tina. I just don't. Uh, it, besides, yeah, there's this adults in the room energy. She has these quips about people that they splice in every now and then. Um, but otherwise, in the competition, it's confusing. Uh, to your point on that, she she has a comment earlier in the episode saying that Olivia is a ninja diva, and I think that is an act one gun. I think that Olivia has been, oh. like, sweet as pie so far, and it's like we're starting to see, like, oh, no. Olivia's – she's – polite not naive you know what i mean like i mm-hmm. i felt like that was i was like oh i see you miss lux i appreciate it you know mm. um that it was like don't underestimate olivia just because she's a sweet little goose you know right or new to dr- the drag scene right? yeah like she knows yeah. how to play this game she's been watching the show are you kidding yeah me, Tina? yeah no i Come love on, that Tina. so yeah. i yeah <laughs> um <laughs> bring me the lux um <laughs> I don't know. That's so dumb. Um. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, um, Mary, was there? Who is your BSA? Oh, I mean, you know, a, a clear and present BSA, uh, Miss Matthews. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. I. God, just that track, that velour tracksuit. Put that in the time capsule. Oh yeah, yeah, Ross. Yeah, the the, the red glasses as well. Like tuck mm. them in a pocket. Mm-hmm. Put that velour tracksuit for sure. Oh God, I love it. Um, any last minute predictions before we uh, send us to our outro? My prediction is that next week we are going to see Rose hungrier than ever for a win. It's a singing and a dancing challenge. Mm. She's been, you know, friend zone the whole season. I feel like. Um, we're gonna. I, I'd be shocked if next episode did not have that narrative, and and I guess either she does finally win, or it's you know they're gonna continue just blue ballsing her. <laughs> I don't uh, think she'll be in the bottom, but you know, sure. But the blue ballsing, I yeah, I just remembered they they made a blue balls reference to somebody, the judges, and I can't remember who it was. Somebody was being. Well, they were blue balling. Uh, anyway, I can't remember who that oh. was. Uh, I thought that's what you were referencing. But no, not, not that deep. I was just literally talking about blue balls. Yeah. Got it. Well, you know. Make uh, me come. You know. <laughs> Make me fucking want, come. I want more. I want, I want more. more. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> I want to see no fucking blue balls. Yeah. Yeah, I want them purple. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> see a doctor at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, Marys, if you have any thoughts on this episode, you can reach out to us on All Right Mary on Twitter, or you can email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com or uh, tasteofreality.com slash allright-mary. You can find me on Instagram at Johnny Also or on Twitter at Johnny Also one And you can hear more of me on either In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance, or Best Supporting Podcast, A Celebration of Best Supporting Actresses. And you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And of course, you can get more of both of us, including currently our recaps of 
the incredibly entertaining season two of Drag Race UK. And at our only Mary's level, you can hear our unpopular opinions every week on season 13, where we really let it all hang out. Uh, and that's all at patreon.com slash all right, Mary. Thanks, Mary. Our last chance lip sync this week uh, it was a toss up, or should I say a boss up? Um, wah, between... <laughs> wah, wah. between two, uh, we're going to use uh, the most obvious one, I think, in our Unpopular Opinions episode, um, which is, should I say it? Yeah, I'll say it. It's I'm Bossy sure. uh, by Khalees. That's such a great song. I think it fits so, so much into just drag. I could totally see a drag performance of it. But I think that. I could see Lala performing. I could see her oh, killing sure. that. Yes. Like yes. shutting it down at the Scorpio in Charlotte, oh. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, but we decided to go with the zaniest one, the wackiest one, and bring us back to the 80s. Uh, really go retro here with anything that can bring Judith Light into this podcast. Uh, I'm and, 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 a, and a horny grandmother, Mona, right? Of course, of course. You know, uh, I love a horny grandma. I love a Catherine Helmand. Mm, so we're, we're thinking that there's got to be some draggy performance. Waiting in the wings of the Who's the Boss theme song. Maybe Ross as Bossy Rossi could do this. Mm, yes. Yes. With Judith Light, perhaps. Oh, or a drag yes. queen as Judith Light, right? Yes. Yeah. I guess Olivia Lux could, you know, there's sort of a, you know, there's light, light. I don't know. I'm just trying. I'm try- I can't. Play us off, keyboard cat. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, Marys. We'll see you next week. Tot scenes. Nights are long.